0: Hello, I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager, and welcome to In Conversation With, the podcast series that delves into the world of financial services and brings you face-to-face with some of the most notable figures in the industry. Listen as we discuss topics that are currently facing the industry and hear from visionary CEOs to disruptive innovators as we bring you a diverse array of voices and perspectives. We'll explore the challenges they faced, the lessons they've learned and the insights they have to share about the ever evolving landscape of financial services.
1: I'm Lois Valerii, chief reporter for Money Marketing, and for this episode of our podcast, I am joined by Chris Budd, who is a financial planner, well-being guru, author, podcaster, founder of the Institute for Financial Wellbeing, and of course, guitarist for the band Consumer Duty. Chris, is there anything you haven't done?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yet. I've, I've played at the Birmingham NEC. That's got to be hope for uh, an ambition for every musician to play the Birmingham NEC. OK, so it wasn't the main... But, yeah, you know, we like to say uh, Wembley, if somebody could, could, could book Consumer Duty for something, it could be in a sort of a pub in Wembley somewhere. That would be fine. But I can still say I played Wembley, couldn't
1: I? <laughs> yeah, you could. True. I also played the NEC, of course.
2: You did? You did? <laughs> <laughs> something we will um, never forget between us, will we?
1: No, definitely not. So definitely go and check that <laughs> out, everyone. Anyway. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, really good to see you. Um, so first off, I know lots of people will know who you are, but for the benefit of those who might not, maybe you could start off by telling us a bit about yourself um, and how you got to where you are today.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a... that's a. Uh... Um, Down by fake praise, where you got to today. Uh, so I was a financial advisor, well, I've been financial planning. um set up Ovation of Finance back in 1998. Um, uh, well, actually 2000, but two years self-employed. And then I sold it to an employee ownership trust in 2018. In 2015, I was told to take the summer off by (laughs) one of my colleagues Said you're being a bit um, argumentative. Take the summer off. You need a break. So I did. (laughs) And in that summer, I started researching happiness um, and wrote the original financial well-being book. One of the jokes that I've told many, many times is that um, I actually invented the phrase financial well-being. But I didn't know that two other people had invented it before me, which is actually true, because when I Googled the term, um, there was two entries on that Google search. I did it the other day, and there's now something like 310 million entries wow. on a Google search of financial well-being. So um, I am um, not very humbly like to claim that I was the guy that brought the idea of financial well-being into financial services industry, if nothing else. Is that I enough?
1: Think it, I think so, yes. That's very good. Well done. Um, so <laughs> well-being is obviously, well-being in general is a concept that I think has gained traction of late. Maybe because of the COVID pandemic, you know, people seem to be much more aware of mental health um, and the extent to which it can affect people. Um, but so, too, has financial well-being, as you've just mentioned, largely spurred on by you. Um, but why else do you think that is? Why why is this such a sort of a big topic
2: now? Well, there's a, there's a market shift going on. Um, financial planning is only, what, 20, 30 years old? If you compare it to other professions like accountancy and legal and the oldest profession who we'll go back millennia, um, then we are a very, very new profession. So we're developing. That's OK. We're still working out exactly what it is financial planning should be. Um, before the privatisation of pensions and uh, Maxwell fell off his boat and we lost all our company pension schemes, we didn't really have financial worries about the future. So, um Yeah, we're still developing it. And and there's lots of great ideas, um, the stuff that Shaping Wealth are doing around behavioural finances, loads of new stuff coming in. So the way I like to think of it or frame it, um, and actually I have to give credit to this framing to Ruth Sturkey, the current IFW chair, uh, Institute for Financial Wellbeing chair, is um, if financial advice was helping people set up products and manage their investments, we think of that as version one. If you then add on cash flow forecasting, you get financial planning, which is version two. Financial well-being is version three, which is adding on to that. It's like an upgrade. It's not better. not, not replacing anything. It's upgrade. So you're adding on the product and the investment, um, add the cash flow, and then you add the theories of happiness and well-being and probably a bit of coaching skills, listening and questioning skills as well. And then you get a financial well-being oriented financial planning. So I think of it as version three, the latest iteration. Why is it now... Because if you don't, frankly, you're going to get left behind. I think somebody that is only advising their clients on their money and isn't even doing cash flow yet, your clients will be leaving you. Certainly their kids will not continue with you because there's a better service elsewhere. Um, If, therefore, you've got somebody who's doing the financial well-being oriented in a decade, 15 years, it might take that long to to work through, but you will be left behind because this is a direction to travel. And I think... um, Everybody's realizing lots and lots of advisors are realizing that. One extra reason, which is those who do this stuff realize it's so much more fun for them it selfishly.
1: Definitely, as yeah, I find the whole sort of behavioral, psychological, well being side of it really interesting personally. Um, so, what would you say? Because obviously, so I write articles about financial well being on money marketing sometimes. Um, one of the comments which sort of recurs from one or two maybe slightly older guard advisors, is, well, why why should we be doing this? You know, we're there to make money for our clients. So what would you say to them?
2: The research shows us that um, somebody who sees money as an objective will be less happy than they would otherwise be. So if you are helping a client to be wealthier, you may be helping them to be unhappier. I'll just give us an example. Let's take the classic trope of wealthy yacht, right? Um, Let's say an advisor has a cash flow, a planner has a cash flow forecast, which is going to help their client to buy a yacht. Question needs to be asked, what is that yacht for? So if that yacht is so that somebody can go down to the local yacht club where lots of wealthy people are so they can show off how much money they've got um, and then maybe you have to get a slightly bigger one because somebody else has got a bigger one. And and that's the the external reasons to impress people that will make them unhappy. The reason for that is because if your if your um, well-being comes from external sources, you're always chasing the approval of somebody else. Um, If your happiness lives the other side of somebody else's approval, then you always have to seek somebody else's approval or a target or financial goals, whatever it might be. I'd love to talk about financial goals, by the way. whereas if your that yacht is because you used to sail as a kid it's your passion you love the technical challenge um it's where your social life happens and your kids quite often come back from university and like to go or, you know go out sailing with you that's much more internal and intrinsic so the same goal could make you happy or unhappy and we need to know the difference um so the answer to harry is to say <laughs> is to say um you need to be doing it because if you're making your clients unhappy, they will leave you for another advisor who tells you that's making you unhappy. um and what's the point of doing the job if you're not making people happier? if your job is actually helping people to be wealthier but that is making them unhappy, where's the satisfaction in that? So there's a whole host of reasons
1: mm, yeah, definitely. um, I did want to mention the so i um, attended the institute for financial Wellbeing's um, conference at the end of may and it was a really really great event it was one that i, I don't usually connect with an event on such a level um i really really enjoyed it Thank one you. of the things like all of this, the speeches and all the concepts were really great but one of the things i found especially interesting was um that point about the disconnect we have from our future selves um, mm. something i'd never really thought of before but definitely sort of well, it has a, a lot of um, significance in my life. Definitely. I'm very short termist. Um, and I think it really proved the point about how much money is linked to psychology and mindset. And I wondered if you could sort of expand a bit on what you said at, at the conference.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, there's a great book literally out last week, actually, by the originator of a lot of this research guy called Hal Hirschfield. Um, American chap. Um uh, and one thing that he explained, actually, on the Financial Wellbeing podcast, because he's been interviewed on there, uh, there was a light bulb moment for me. And I have to also, by the way, just reference Dr. Tom at Aegon, who's been talking about this for a little while. And the penny didn't drop until I had one particular bit of um, science, which is this: the neuroscientists wired up people's brains and said, just think about yourself sitting on a beach. And a particular bit of the brain lit up as they thought of themselves. And then they said, right, now think of somebody else sitting on the beach. And a different part of the brain lit up. So we think we use different parts of our brain when we think about ourselves or when we think about strangers. Then they said, now picture yourself in 10 years time sitting on the beach. And the bit of the brain that lit up is the same bit that we use to think about strangers, which is just ah, just that. just. made all made sense suddenly. Um, So when we, if you say to somebody, put some money in a pension for your retirement, what you're saying is give money away to somebody else, which is why people don't tend to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, We have an innate natural inclination to um, enjoy the now and not want to sacrifice now, enjoyment now for enjoyment later. Um, And that's what the brain just doesn't work that way. So what we need to do or planners need to do is help their clients to connect better with their future selves. And there's a number of ways of doing that. One that Hal Hirschfeld talks about, just as an example, which I quite like, is write a letter to yourself in the future. So pick a time in the future. Let's say that 10 years. Write a letter to yourself 10 years older than you are now. But most importantly, then wait a week or so and write back from yourself 10 years later to yourself now. That will force you to sit in, those, in that chair, stand in those shoes, whatever cliche you uh, want, to think of yourself at that time. Um, Sarah Newcomb, another behavioural finance person, gave a, a great uh, idea about um, close your eyes, take some time, and just imagine yourself in that 10 years' time. You wake up in the morning, look around you. What do you see? What are the What's the wallpaper like? Is there anybody next to you? Look out the window. Where are you? And walk through for half an hour your day. This will help you connect better with your future self and therefore be much more motivated to do things now to help that future self because you recognize it more. Fascinating stuff.
1: It's really interesting. Yeah, I must say. Um, let me try and picture myself in 10 years. Hopefully, I'm on the most expensive yacht in the yacht yard.
2: I'm not but getting through to you, because Lewis, because am I? I?
1: No, I'm joking, obviously. Um, (laughs) No, really interesting stuff. Um, You said you wanted to talk about financial goals. Do you want to do that now? Yeah. So goal setting rather.
2: Yeah. Look, there's a lot of um, I've never been a fan of the word goals or the concept of goals. Um, This comes back from when I did my um, coaching diploma back in 2013. And um, goal setting and goal base is something you hear a lot from, especially successful people. Ten tips of successful people will always have something have about always be aiming for goals. The reason I don't like goals is because once you've achieved a goal, then what happens? Famously, Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, won eight gold medals at the Sydney Olympics and then had a nervous breakdown. I interviewed a guy called Leon Taylor, who's Olympic uh, medalist at diving about this recently. Um, and he found that when he many, many gold medalists at the Olympics report great unhappiness when they finally achieve their goal. Um, I've been talking to uh, somebody a little while ago, a business owner who sold his business for something like 15 million pounds and is now bereft because his objective was making 15 million pounds. He never thought what he was going to do with it. So if financial planners are talking to their clients about, let's just say, something simple like retirement, what age are you going to retire? 60. Well, there's a question there for a start. Where does the age 60 come from? It's a very round number. Um, How much do you need? 1 million. Really? Never never really trust a round figure like that. But the question really should be, great, a day later, what will you be doing? What do you want to be doing? Um, So financial goals can be really, really damaging. If there is no thought to what they're leading towards. So going back to the intrinsic and extrinsic thing, what I would much rather talk about intrinsic motivations, things that you do, I mean, a, 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 um, a more user-friendly phrase would be meaning and purpose. Where do you find meaning and purpose in your life? If your aim is to achieve a certain goal, what will that give you? And what lies beyond the achievement of that goal? Otherwise, you're just going for the goal for its own sake. And that can make you very unhappy. This person I was talking to a little while ago, they are deeply unhappy. And they've got 12 million pounds in their current account. And yet they're deeply unhappy because they've never thought about what is the point of my life? I asked the question, what's that money for? No idea. Had never thought about what was beyond achieving that goal of an amount of money. So, yeah, financial goals could be the worst possible thing if they have no context
1: Mm. no that's really interesting well if i had that i would just travel the world but but that's another another conversation
2: (laughs) and then when you that's a really good example lois because that's what in my experience 90 percent of people say well when you answer that question you know when you retire then what will you oh i'll go traveling okay but then you have to ask the question when you come back from traveling then Mm. what will you do because that's just another finite goal
1: it depends. If I had endless money, I would just travel for the rest of my life.
2: Do you think that would get a bit dull after a while?
1: Hmm. Not if I, I went to lots of interesting places. I don't think.
2: I'll give you an Maybe. example. I I um I went on a, a trip recently with a friend uh, to um, the Black Forest in Germany, and uh, we went there because his great great. Great grandfather is from a village called Lenskirk, I think, if I remember rightly. Uh, So we went to stay in that village and we went looking for his grave and looking for some uh, the family home. And we had the best five days. It was so much fun because there was a point. We had a purpose to it. And uh, I, I won't go through the whole thing because um, lots of things happened. But we found his his farm up in the hills, um, and we actually were just sitting there. "Just imagine Conrad, his great 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 grandfather, sitting here with his with his cows or with a, you know drinking the beer in the evening." And it was wonderful. Um, it, it gave the whole thing a point and a purpose. So again, traveling, of course, great, but to what purpose? You, if you're just endlessly traveling, you'll just be walking in and out of different airports, won't you?
1: yeah that's a good point. I'll rethink my my life goals. <laughs> no, but it's like that point of um you know immortality seems like a really good idea until maybe you actually if you were granted immortality, what would you do for the rest of eternity?
2: Yeah, yeah yeah
1: life is life is good when there's a sort of time limit on it.
2: yeah and look that so so that there are two aspects to this. There are things that make all of us happy. Um, and there are things that make each of us happy. So if I were to, you know, if, if you get a hug from a loved one, that will make anybody feel good. Um, if you, uh, but but if you uh, want to find meaning and purpose in your life, for me that came from, or well, it comes from lots of things, but one example is it came from um, setting up a youth cricket section at my local youth village youth cricket club, which now has 180 kids going down there every single week and, before I started, there was nothing. That gives me huge pride and will do forever. But for you, it will be something completely different. So there's two elements of it. There's the general truth that's true of everybody. And then there's the know thyself stuff that's what applies to you. And the advisor and planner's job, I think, is to help their clients understand the know thyself bit uh, by listening and asking simple questions, Bainey.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, that's interesting. I would never attempt to set up a cricket club because I'm not about cricket. But yes, I, get, I definitely get a point. Maybe a horse riding club or something. Anyway, um, so you've got, I know you've got a new book coming out soon. We, obviously, um, our listeners won't see it, but I can see it behind you there. Um, the Four Cornerstones of Financial Wellbeing. I've already pre-ordered my copy. I'm very excited to read it. Um, could you maybe just sort of give us a brief overview of what the Four Cornerstones are?
2: Yeah, so, uh, so I've just said two of them. So one is the general truths and one is the know thyself. And then so there's what's true of everybody about what makes us happy, what's true of you about what makes you happy. And then there's the barriers to well-being. So what's true of everybody, the the, the barriers that are true of everybody, and the barriers that are unique to you. So that makes the four. Example of, of barriers would be um, that's true of everybody, behavioural finance stuff. Um, ever thankful for Neil Beige, who uh, has taught me so much about these areas and, and was very informative for my book. Um, and that would be things like uh, the present bias that we talked about earlier on, the fact that we all would rather have enjoyment now and not sacrifice for later. But some, have, some of us have it worse than others. Um, there's things like confirmation bias, where we seek out information that confirms our existing views. Um, which I think, given the uh, politics of the last decade, I think probably a lot of people now. I think we're all quite familiar with that comment. concept now. My personal favorite, actually, is the Dunning Kruger effect. Do you know about the Dunning Kruger effect? Uh,
1: no, I don't think so.
2: Um, the Dunning Kruger effect is all about how we learn. And the best way of summing it up that I like is you have to be reasonably intelligent to understand how stupid you are. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, um, what happens as we learn is we learn a little bit and go, "Yeah, brilliant, got it, thanks very much." And you go, "Whoa, whoa, 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 there's, there's more, there's more," um, and you, no, no, that's all right. I understand. It's no problem. But if you just learn a little bit more, you would suddenly go, "Oh, actually, there's a lot more to this than I realize." So, but what most people do, and me, you, everybody, is we stop way too early. Um, now. The reason that that's a particular favorite is because I see that applying on lots of different walks of my life. So some of the work that I do with succession planning with companies, for example, um, they say, thanks very much. I've read your book on on employee ownership. Got it now. No, no, no. That was an introduction. That's Mm -hmm. not it. Mm. Um, And I get that a lot. But also with financial well-being, somebody will say the same thing Um, or thanks very much. I hadn't thought about listening and questioning skills and the use of silence. I'll go off and do that. No, you need to be. You need to get training and practice in it. It's really not easy to do, allowing somebody else to talk. Um, so, yeah, I see the Dunning Kruger effect a lot. And what I would urge people to do is keep learning. Always keep learning. I've been writing and reading about this stuff now for eight years, um, and only what a year ago did I did the penny drop on the future self stuff. You know, um, there is and get it from all walks of life as well. Uh, I've been doing a lot of reading and and doing some training in Buddhism, for example. It all overlaps, and it all interacts. There's so much of it. So yeah, the Dunning crew. Anyway, waffling. Finally, are the barriers that are unique to each of us, which is our self-limiting beliefs. So people will be familiar with a client who says, the stock market's not for me, or I'm just not very good with money. These aren't true. Um, They are beliefs that we hold, and our beliefs sometimes can lead to poor decisions and this is especially true when it comes to financial planning because as i said at the beginning we've only had to do financial planning for the last 30 or 40 years in the entire history of humanity we're not built for it so consequently a lot of our beliefs a lot of our behaviors they're great when we're out in the you know woods trying to hunt saber-toothed tigers but that's not the case anymore financial planning doesn't come naturally so it's all about the four areas that help us to make better financial decisions
1: perfect really interesting um it's like a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy type thing. If You tell yourself you're bad with money, you're going to start being bad with money, probably.
2: Very true, yeah. And, and in fact, undoing self-limiting beliefs. Um, obviously, self-limiting beliefs aren't just about money. They, one of my favourite lines, which came from the first Financial well-being book, um, which uh, I think I probably have to credit Jan Bo and Nielsen, equivalent management for, but um, is, beliefs are not truths. Just because you believe something to be the case doesn't mean that it is. And I think once you can really properly accept that concept, then you can start.
1: Yeah, definitely, brilliant. Um, I'm interested to know what are some of the biggest changes you've witnessed in the financial advice profession since you started.
2: What I find fascinating is that there's two parts to the answer to this. One is, well, there's two questions really. One is the biggest changes and. The other one is why they haven't been universal
0: mm-hmm.
2: um because the biggest changes i i I um in that back in nineteen ninety eight I started charging time and I was literally laughed at by a business partner at that time um so the move to be fee based um I'd like to see a move to time actually logging time but um. um shouting in the void at that one nobody ever wants to listen to me on that point um maybe we'll do another podcast on that one uh so but the move to them planning to them to them happiness theory you know this is massive from when i started um when it was literally all about how many distribution bonds from sunlight could you sell at the same time you know it's huge 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 change um i still come across people who are like that though and I find it given, I mean, that's a massive change from advice to planning to well-being is a huge and fascinating, really interesting journey. How could you not have gone on that journey? How could you not have taken those steps? It's so much more fun um, and so much better for your business. So, yeah, there's two parts to that. The, the whole growth of planning and well-being is, uh, you see it the younger advisors in particular, they now they get it far, far more because they understand that life isn't about accumulating money. Whereas I guess advisors of my age, a lot of us were of the Thatcher era where loads of money was a thing, you know, and and uh, ostentatious wealth. Greed is good. All that kind of stuff. Lunches for wimps. Um, whereas your generation, that's not how you think. So there's a there's a shift coming through in the next 10 to 15 years and older advisors who are going to be retiring in that time probably aren't, don't need to worry about it. But anybody I don't know what, 45 or younger, I think. Got to be on that journey to be part of how the profession is changing in a really positive way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, The world might end tomorrow and then your money is worth nothing. So there's a cheerful thought.
2: Yes. Well, you know, the thing is, your generation, Lois, and my kids' generation, there's a, I mean, might only be 0.01%, but there is actually a possibility that there won't be any human life on the planet by the time you retire. You know, that's a conversation that is being had, no matter how likely or unlikely, it is still a conversation. So when I say to you, put all your money away for when you're 65 and you retire, ah, why would you bother? You need to have a different conversation now, um, which might end up with doing that, actually. But it's coming to it from a completely different approach.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a balance, I think, between you know living in the present and making sure your future self is all right. Um, I was having a conversation I think it was with my mum although she said she didn't say it but she was talking <laughs> about them, you know having it's not a bad thing I mean she was saying it's in, important to have a balance my parents have always been very sensible saving but having like fun at the in the present as well so I did have quite a good sort of upbringing like that so I probably overspend in the present but yeah that's probably another conversation that we won't get into now.
2: Well, you know, one thing I I would suggest, uh, uh, obviously I would suggest that you do, but I would also suggest every single listener does. Um, One of the things I do when I do talks at conferences, and I love doing talks at conferences, is I ask for a show of hands of how many people in the audience have their own financial planner. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And it is amazing. It's usually three or four out of 100 tops. Really? Wow. Um, And yet I also come across business owners, like the one I was talking about, who have just trying to build up their business to sell for a certain amount of money without any thought of how much money they actually need, not want, need to do the things in life that they want. That is the process. What do you need? What makes you, sorry, start that again. Number one, what makes you happy? Number two, therefore, how much do you need to make you happy? Therefore, how much do your business need to be worth? You know, that that's the logical pro- process. Um vast majority of people don't do that and even the advisors who are experts in this don't go through that process so my one tip to everybody here is get a financial advisor preferably one who has been through the financial well-being certificate as run by the ifw because then they will focus your plan about your well-being
1: perfect well i think that's probably all we've got time for for this podcast but um it's been really really great to talk to you chris thank you so much really interesting stuff there i think
2: and Lois, thank you for your support with it all. I really appreciate it because um, it is not always easy getting people to think differently. Um, and only, we're only going to... The whole point of the IFW is to make the world a happier place. Right. And we making the world a happier place by getting people to focus on what makes them happy, not on money. So your support in helping us do that is massively appreciated.
1: No problem. A great note to end on. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to In Conversation With. We do hope that you enjoyed it. Please do keep up to date with all our new releases via Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts from. You can also keep up to date with all our new content published on the Money Marketing website, as well as our print edition Money Marketing magazine. So make sure to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. See you next time.